Take your business further with the smart and flexible American Express Business Gold Card. It offers flexible spending capacity that adapts to your business. You can also earn up to $395 in annual statement credits on eligible purchases at select business merchants. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash businessgoldcard. The market doesn't joke around, so why would you? Get serious. Choose Tasty Trade. Tasty Trade gives you the tools you need to make smarter moves. Dig into data with advanced charting, track profit accurately with order chain trackers, see risk clearly with curve analysis, and trade with low capped commissions, stocks, options, futures, and more. All on one platform. No wonder serious traders choose Tasty Trade. Join the club, genius. Tasty Trading is a registered broker dealer and member of FINRA and SIPC. My mission is simple to make you money. I'm here to level the playing field for all investors. There's always a bull market somewhere, and I promise to help you find it. Mad Money starts now. Hey, I'm Kramer. Welcome to Mad Money. Welcome to Kramer. I'm doing my friends. I'm just trying to make you some money. My job is not just to entertain, but to educate, teach. So call me at 1-800-743-CNBC or tweet me at Jim Kramer. This market's become a proverbial game of chicken. Who can buy the most of what's working at this very moment before a recession takes it all away? That's how we rallied so hard earlier this week, even if the averages cooled on Tuesday when some Fed officials scared us. Today was sedate on the surface, Dow dipping 86 points, S&P declining 0.08%, NASDAQ advancing 0.41%. But there's a lot going on underneath we've got to talk about. Why is it like this? Because for the most part, things are going very well in the country. Right at this moment. Even if we're worried that the Fed will ultimately crush the economy. No, no! We always hear that it's the Fed's job to take away the punch bowl when things get out of hand. I think that's a pretty good analogy, but I want to take it further. Right now, there are tons of places where things aren't out of hand. They're just very good. They're, they aren't at the root of inflation. They can stand up under close Fed scrutiny. The Fed will let these industries get buzzed. We like that. They just don't want anyone getting hammered. Let me give you some classic examples, starting with housing. Home prices were soaring in this country, up 20% year over year, and in some regions, 30 or even 40%. The housing market was wasted, drunk as a skunk. So naturally, mortgage rates shot up, as they should when the Fed raises rates and things get too hot, and then the buyers disappeared. Out of nowhere, the housing stocks just got annihilated. But then rates suddenly plummeted much faster than anyone expected, and slowly but surely, the housing market has started to sober up. Now it's just buzzed. Mortgage rates have come down a bit, and the housing stocks have quietly made a little comeback. As long as housing prices don't start skyrocketing again, you can get away with buying the home builders here. Home builders like Toll Brothers or Lenore, just as long as you don't let them drive. Each industry is facing the same dilemma. Oil is rolling higher for months, sending the oil stocks higher, 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 but crushing the consumer. Yep, the oil investors went from buzz to hammer. Then the Fed raised rates aggressively, saw endless stories about the price at the pump, and then crude came right back down, but to little or no fanfare. What matters now is that oil's down big, gasoline's down big, and you can now buy all sorts of stocks that benefit from cheaper fuel, especially the travel and leisure plays that were so scorned just three weeks ago. What was most trash when oil was flying? I, I don't know. I think Disney. 
People extrapolated that theme parks would be crushed by higher gasoline. Now, Disney can probably run from 108, 108 where it went out today, I think to 120 without getting hammered. Why not? It was at 180 when gas prices were tame. Or you can get into the real Fed woods. Yesterday, AMD reported, and it was an amazing quarter, just terrific. But there were an armful of Fed officials at the same time who came out and made you feel like a total dope if you bought anything. So the stock belly flop. Forget the buzz hammer analogy for a moment. Today, no Fed speak. So what happens? AMD, same AMD as yesterday. Sans, I've always wanted to use that term. Sans, my interview with CEO Lisa Sue last night. And the stock just explodes higher. Total liftoff, up nearly 6%. Same AMD. I think yesterday was the aberration. Today's move made a ton of sense. One more. When we're going into a recession, you're supposed to sell, sell, sell the industrials, right? We know that. They're way too dangerous in a slowdown. But if oil's down in price and grains are down in price and metals are down in price and plastic is down in price and paperboard is down in price, how can you not circle back to the sum of cyclicals that reported terrific numbers? There were no flyers on waste management when we spoke to them when it was barely up just last week. So why not go to town with them? 3M is a cyclical that's been kept down by Fed chatter. Buy that with the added kicker of the food safety split off today. Or how about my favorite, Honeywell? Picture perfect quarter, raising of the organic growth rate, but it had the disadvantage of reporting on a day of such horrendous Fed speak that people ran from it. I say go for the Honeywell buzz now, especially because their aerospace business is doing better since gasoline's lower. Let me give you another one with real buzz. Ford, tremendous quarter, huge dividend boost, making the stock very attractive versus bonds with 4% yield. Tremendous order book. Big beneficiary of lower raw costs like aluminum and steel and lower rates means it's cheaper to get financing. Out of nowhere, a stock that was sold nine ways to Sunday when commodity prices were going up, the Fed wouldn't stop talking and a recession was about to scuttle a whole industry is now a screaming buy. I say go for the buzz of Ford at 15, perhaps to as high as $18, but do not, I repeat, do not get hammered at 20. Sell, sell, sell. While we're at it, throw in DoorDash and Expedia. DoorDash has worked hard to get their earnings before interest, taxes, depreciation, and amortization into positive territory, which is why the stock soared in after-hours trading when it poured a really nice number. Expedia showed that people are still traveling, so with gas prices down, why not buy that one? These companies are buzzed. They're not hammered. What's driving all of this craziness? All right. I think the Fed officials who warn that we need, this, that we need endless rate hikes, I think they're the ones who are behind the curve. They've won the war against commodity inflation, but they don't know how to take yes for an answer. Sure, maybe commodities won't stay down, and I'm certainly not saying that the Fed's work is done. That would be wrong. But, man, they've made real progress, and they keep ignoring their own progress. We're now enjoying one of the most monumental commodity collapses I have ever seen in 40 years of trading. Yet nobody talks about it at the Fed because it doesn't fit their preferred narrative of runaway pricing. What's our real takeaway? Pretty simple. I think there's a Fed media short seller nexus that makes us feel like any positive news on the inflation front is just meaningless, must be ignored, certainly not rigorous. We're supposed to ignore the in-your-face positives like cheaper gasoline, declining grain, plastic, wood, and instead focus on how everybody's doing too well? What does the Fed really want us to do? What do they want from us? 
Do they want every company to miss earnings and lay people off? Do they want the stock market cratered? Should we hide in our homes like we did during the worst phases of COVID? What makes all this so confusing is that this market's still very much in bad, in bad is good mode. If we get a strong employment t- number tomorrow at 8.30, it's awful because it means the economy's getting hammered and the Fed needs to take away the punch bowl. On top of that, the Fed's failure to acknowledge anything that's going their way has hurt their credibility. Finally, the real source of the hammer? Our elected leaders in Congress and the White House. They're refilling the punch bowl right when the Fed wants it removed. And I am not a political guy. Congress just passed the Chips and Science Act, which is supposed to cost $52 billion for the chips. We desperately need the, that money to, to rebuild domestic semiconductor manufacturing. But how about the other $228 billion they gave for the science? Well, some of that's legitimate science spending. The truth is we don't have the labor force to support the whole package. And it could cause serious wage inflation, exactly the thing that the Fed is simultaneously trying to stamp out. Listen, I'm not some deficit hawk and I'm not some politician. When we had 10% unemployment, I came out here every night demanding more stimulus spending. But now we have 3.6 unemployment. The economy's overheated. And big government spending just means the Fed will have to raise interest rates even more aggressively hurting the working person that they tend that they keep saying they're going to help. Congress is trying to get us hammered right at the moment when we only can afford to get buzz. The more they spend, the more often you'll hear these Fed heads warn that they need to take interest rates to four or even higher. So the bottom line, frolic while you can. But remember, these Fed gas bags won't shut up and Congress can't stop spending. They're the ones behind the bear market of 2022, not the companies and certainly not you. Alan in Pennsylvania, Alan. Hey, Tim. Alan from Springfield, Delco. It's good to there talk you go. to you I'm again. Monco, but I'll, I'll listen to you anyway. What's going on? There you go. Uh, I need your help. I'm down about sure. 20% or over 20% on tech stocks this year. And I wanted to check if you'd be a buyer of AMAT or Marvel, another one of yes, your I would favorites. Yes, uh, I, uh, I just said at our meeting today, uh, that's our club meeting that was held at 12 o'clock, that Marvell Technology, Jeff Marks and I agreed that that's a terrific one to buy. Surprised it wasn't up given the strength in AMD. Can we go to Tad in North Carolina, please, Tad? Hi, Jim. This is Tad in Statesville, North Carolina, sending you a big Tar Heel booyah. I Thanks always so tell much. my wife it's called Fateville. She never stops with the Fayetteville. I'm going to make, uh, she knows I have a show now, so I make the hell of her to watch it. It is Statesville. Anyway, um, appreciate all you do. Really, really, uh, your, your advice has been a huge help in my investing uh, Thank life. You. Thank you, Ted. That's meant so much. Uh, this morning, Datadog released another great earnings report, uh, which they typically do, but their guidance was a little light going into the second half of the year. No, they typically guide conservatively, uh, but right. I wanted to get your thoughts on that company and this beatdown well, sector. Okay, well, I think, first of all, I think it is a very crowded sector in the market. But second, let's remember, Tad, that stock opened down bad, very badly, and then climbed its way almost all the way back because, as you said, it was a good quarter. But there are too many companies in that sector for me to get excited about. Now we're going to go to Thomas in New York. Thomas. Hi, Jim. How are you? A long-time listener. I love your show. It's a great show. Thomas, thank you so much. Thank you. I hope you like it downtown. I think it's pretty cool that we're down here. Oh, great. That's nice to hear. Beautiful. Thank you. Um, I'm going to ask you about SoFi Tech. Um, I have a ton of my uh, shares of um, SoFi, and yesterday with the 26% increase, 
Um, I'm wondering if it's time to get out or if I should still. No, stay no. In. I went over the quarter with Anthony Noto, whom I've known uh, faithfully since 1998. This was a very good quarter. A lot of things he promised have now been delivered, and I think it's a mistake to sell SoFi right here. Noto's done a good job. He really has turned the company around, and if anything, I'd be a buyer, not a seller of SoFi, even after this move. Remember, the Fed and Congress are behind the bear market of 2022, not the companies, and certainly not you. On Mad Money tonight, Ken Moore's, yes, CC, has clawed back from its recent lows. So is now a good time to take a look at the chemical company stock, or have you missed the move? I'm talking to the CEO. Then XPO Logistics continues its spinoff plans. And after announcing a new CEO tonight after the bell, I'm learning more about the company's plans for the future with the incoming and outgoing CEOs. And Federal Realty, long a fave, announced earnings this morning, along with its 55th dividend increase. So could this week continue to deliver for shareholders? I'm checking in with the company's top brass. So stay with Kramer. Don't miss a second of Mad Money. Follow at Jim Kramer on Twitter. Have a question? Tweet Kramer. Hashtag Mad Tweets. Send Jim an email to madmoney at CNBC.com or give us a call at 1-800-743-CNBC. Miss something? Head to madmoney.cnbc.com. When you're hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging to connect with candidates faster. Plus, 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed. Listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visible visibility at indeed.com slash mad money. Just go to indeed.com slash mad money right now and support this show by saying you heard about indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash mad money. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need indeed. What do we do with the textbook cyclical stocks that have sold off hard on recession fears? Not a recession, but on fears even as the underlying companies are still printing money. Look at the Comores company, CC, the commodity and specialty chemical maker that was spun off by the old DuPont back in 2015. Now, this thing has been holding up very well until mid-June when the rest of the market rebounded, but the most economically sensitive stocks rolled over no matter how well they did. Worry here is that the Federal Reserve will have to engineer a nasty recession to get inflation under control, which would be real bad news for the Comores of the world because they make the basic building blocks the economy that we all need. Inflation is great for them, though, because it means they've got some tremendous pricing power. At last, they haven't had it in years. Now, late last week, Comores reported a magnificent quarter, a big top and bottom line beat, with a bullish update to the full-year forecast. That's huge. But it didn't seem like anybody cared because Wall Street's all about recession and that the economy will eventually collapse or at least slow down too much. If we only end up having a mild recession, though, this is going to be a great investment. 
So let's take a closer look with Mark Newman. He's the president and CEO of Comores. Find out more about the quarter and the state of business. Mr. Newman, hey, welcome to Mid Money. Hey, Jim. Thanks for having me. Now, a lot of people know the company that is DuPont, one of the oldest and most revered companies in the world. But we don't know Comores. So I'd like to get you to give our audience Comores 101 so they know what you're about. Jim, we have three industry-leading businesses. We're in pigments, uh, which go into paints and laminates. We're into thermal management, think refrigerants, and we're into advanced materials, think high-performance polymers. And so, you know, if you have a cell phone in your pocket, you probably have some of our polymers. This room is cool because of our refrigerants, and there's paint on the wall. So anything that has color in it has to do with us. Now, these things are often in short supply. Can you tell me why pigment is always a business that there are times when there's not enough of it? Yeah, clearly it's tied to global macro, so it's, it's, it has a cyclical element. Uh, actually, 70% of our pigment business is on long-term contracts, and so we've gotten away from the, you know, the rise and fall or the gyrations that are associated with you know, huge price shifts uh, when demand softens. Well, that's not on you. I mean, I think that at one point I would have expected, well, autos go up and down, Comores is hurt, but you've developed things that have nothing to do with the economic cycle. Absolutely. We, we, you know, our two other businesses, uh, Thermal uh, Solutions, uh, is in a long-term secular trend. Refrigeration is growing globally. Right. And we are gaining share of the market as... Uh, uh, the transition is happening to more sustainable refrigerants where we have significant IP and install capacity. And in fact, last week we announced a 40% increase uh, in our Corpus Christi plant to produce more Option, our low global warming refrigerant. Well, I think this is important because a lot of uh, there's look legislation in Congress. If anyone's doing some energy efficient cooling, they're going to get the benefit of Congress. Uh, yeah. You're designing very similar products. So we love the focus on climate right. and we love the focus on energy efficiency and our refrigerants, you know, focus on um, being more sustainable, mm-hmm. uh, less greenhouse gas impact, as well as being more energy efficient. But we're also, Jim, involved in hydrogen. We're also involved in electric vehicles through our polymer business. So we're tied to some very significant secular growth trends. OK, well, I think one of the things that has, that has kept me from being more bullish is uh, your exposure to some um, some toxic uh, issue, P- PFAS, and some pollution issues. And I saw what happened uh, with 3M, a company that my dad worked for, because they had PFAS, they had groundwater problems, and it, it probably knocked off about a quarter of the value of a really good company, 3M. Um, do I have to worry about that with, with Comores? So, Jim, there's three things I tell investors almost in every earnings call. One is I'm focused. One of my top priorities is to resolve all legacy claims uh, consistent with the DuPont Corteva uh, Camor's MOU. So we have a framework uh, to resolve things that actually were even before Camor's when we were formed. The second thing is we're investing millions of dollars on best-of-class abatement technology. And we've made a commitment to reduce floor-organic compounds to air and water by 99.9% by 2030. So we're we're making this investment already. Next week, we'll publish our corporate responsibility report, and you'll see that we've made significant progress since 2018. The third thing I would tell you is 
we're generating a lot of free cash flow. This will be the third year we generate over half a billion in free cash flow, even after making these investments. That's a smaller company. You're not a huge company, so that's a huge amount of money. So, So what I tell people, Jim, is we can resolve these legacy claims consistent with the MOU, one, right. make investments in sustainability and growth, the secular growth that right. I talked about, and three, return the majority of free cash flow to our investors. Well, uh, that's all we ever want from companies. I mean, when I saw the price series bottle of your stock, I said, well, that's insane. Then I had to read about these, uh, the toxic issues that we talked about. But just the core business is on fire, sir. And I got to congratulate you for the big pivot that you're doing toward good things for the environment because it really matters to our viewers and it matters to us too. That's Mark Newman, President and CEO of Comores. Do the work because the stock is cheap, but you know that one of the reasons it's cheap because people are always concerned about litigation. Maybe it's going to be a million. Mad Money's back in. Coming up, give me an X. Give me a P. Oh, is this the stock to haul your portfolio into the express lane? Kramer's got the answer next. Here's a question. Have you ever been prescribed a medication? Most likely, yes. Well, what about this question? Did you understand how it worked? The way your medication works in your body shouldn't be a mystery. Learn how Vivgart, Fgartigamod Alpha FCAB works by visiting vivgart.com slash MOA. That's V-Y-V-G-A-R-T dot com slash M-O-A. Brought to you by Argenics. This podcast is supported by FedEx. Dear small and medium businesses, no one wants happy customers more than you do. That's why FedEx offers you picture proof of delivery, packageless and paperless returns, as well as weekend home delivery to 98% of the U.S. on Saturday and 50% on Sunday. See the FedEx service guide for delivery information. FedEx Ground service is also faster to more locations than UPS Ground. See what FedEx can do for your business. Absolutely, positively, FedEx. All right, I love it when big companies unlock value by breaking themselves up into more bite-sized businesses that are easier for money managers and analysts to understand. But is that enough to help a stock that's going out of style on the Wall Street fashion show? Take XBO Logistics, a trucking and logistics powerhouse that spent years rolling up this industry via a series of terrific acquisitions. For over a year and a half, though, now, XBO has been unwinding the roll-up with a multi-stage breakup plan. First, they spun off the contract at logistics business as, X, as GXO. Remember we heard GXO for the, earlier this week, Malcolm Wilson? Then earlier this year, they sold their intermodal business with plans to sell the European division and spin off their freight brokerage division later this year. In the end, the remaining XPO will just be a North American less-than-truckload LTL operation, which allows multiple shippers to share space in the same vehicle. That's the most attractive business, even in a world where the freight rates are headed right now in the wrong direction. Plus, tonight, XBO reported a really good quarter, a 30-cent earnings beat off a $1.51 basis, higher than expected sales, and management's raising their full-year earnings forecast. The company also announced a leadership succession plan. This, I don't know, I'm a little sad about. Current chairman and CEO Brad Jacobs becoming executive chairman while passing the CEO title to Mario Harrick who's been named the president of the less-than-truckload business sometime in the fourth quarter. 
It's a complicated story with a lot of moving parts. But fortunately, we got a pair of guides. We got Brad, who's the current chairman, CEO, and Mario, who and Mario is the next CEO. Brad, is it true? You are not going to be the CEO anymore. You've been so great to make money and made our viewers so much money. I'm still going to be executive chairman. Okay. But I am passing the baton to day-to-day management to Mario, and there's no better person to do it than Mario. Now, okay, so why is that? Tell us why Mario is so the... Mario was the third person I hired back in 2011. It was really? love at first sight. And he's been CIO. And when you're CIO, you see the nuts and bolts of the whole company, the whole infrastructure. He's been chief customer officer. And he's been running the Altail business and done tremendous results in the last year. Okay, so Mario, tell me about how the business is running right now. We know that we're supposed to have a big problem finding drivers, that the industry is overrun with these costs. The Fed tells us it's everything's going wrong. Any of that true? Well, Jim, when, when I took over the business in Q4 of last year, we came up with a strategy to add more capacity to the business. And we have our own manufacturing facility of traders in Arkansas, where we doubled production capacity in that facility. And this year, we're gonna produce more than 4,700 traders. On the driver side, the driver shortage is still there. It's gonna be there to stay, but it's getting easier. And we have 130 locations where we can graduate our own drivers to join our ranks. So are there applications? I mean, I I was told that nobody wanted to be a trucker anymore, that that was the end of the profession. We're gonna have automated trucks. So actually it's interesting. Job applications are up 44% on a year-over-year basis. Right, be careful. That doesn't go with the narrative. The narrative is, is that there's nobody and we're going to have to bid up and inflation's out of control. Th- th- that's, that's too positive what you just said. But it is what it is. It's a fact. <laughs> I can't change the facts. The facts are that over the last, if you do year-over-year basis, if you look at the number of people who apply for a job, it's up 44% from a year ago. So there, there's a flip side to the economy slowing down, the right. job market opens up, so you solve some of these labor issues. Now, Brad, what you're painting a picture of is that perhaps we shouldn't be putting such hate on cyclical stocks if the issue is is that maybe we don't need to have a recession because maybe wage, wages aren't going to skyrocket. Maybe inflation is more under control than we think. Inflation is still there. Don't get me wrong. Wage inflation is still there, but it's moderated from where it was. And in the case of XPO, we have company-specific leverage to push. We have many, many catalysts. So you mentioned them some in the intro. We're selling off our Europe business. Right. We're going to take those proceeds, and we're going to continue to deleverage. We were at 2.7 times levered six months ago. We're at 1.8 levered now. We sell Europe. We get the cash. We pay down more debt. We grow the EBITDA more. Suddenly, we're in investment-grade land. Well, that would be, that would be remarkable and quick. Now, Mario, one of the things that uh, I grew up in a house where I always saw there'd be truckers that my father would use and they would be up and then they'd be down, be up and down. And then when I started these shows, there have been a number of less than uh, than truckload companies that have actually gone broke uh, because they had too much debt. The economy was bad. I mean, what kind of surety can you offer our viewers that we're not going to be up and down with your company? Yeah, less than truckload, Jim, is a fantastic industry to be in. Because that's a business that has a high barrier for entry, for competition. You have to have terminals, you have to have trucks, you have to have drivers, and you have to have density to be able to move the freight between the terminals. And today we operate a business that is growing fast from a profitability perspective. Here in the second quarter, we had uh, record margins in the business, we had record revenue, we had record profitability uh, from an overall EBITDA perspective. Uh, And it's a very strong business. It's also a business that has a high return on invested capital. As a business, we have a 38% uh, 
ROIC. And our LTL business is significantly higher from the returns we make on the capital we invest in this business. Well, that's extraordinary and not well known, I think. I think, Brad, I've known you for a long time. One of the things that I first loved about what you're doing was you were rolling up companies in a way that really I didn't think was a roll up. You added the right thing. You added logistics and brokerage to trucking. You moved into Europe when everyone said it was wrong to move into Europe. It was absolutely perfect to be in Europe. Your customers are all the finest customers in the world, particularly with logistics, because we spoke to Malcolm this week. Is it the end of an era, though, that that perhaps it it didn't produce the stock worth, even though it produced the earnings worth? Well, we were the seventh best performing stock of the decade. So okay. we did something right there. So we created. And, and I think I've been, you know, I've been long. Been, totally. Right. You've been a supporter when the stock was $7 a share. Absolutely. So you've been on the right side of that. But you always have to keep flexible. You have to be agile and looking for opportunities and see what's the best way to create the next leg of shareholder value. And we firmly believe that continuing this spin, so we spun off GXO, it's doing very, very well. Now we're going to spin off our best in class tech-enabled truck brokerage services business. And it is best in class. I've done a lot oh, of work on this. There's 16% volume growth year over yeah. year just now. I mean, nobody else is growing 16% year over nope. year. And that's going to create value. And on uh, Mario running LTL, he's going to be totally focused just on LTL. As opposed to when I was running a conglomerate, I was focused on, I was, I was paying attention to everything. He's going to pay attention to one thing. And he'll do a better job than I am. And Mario, is there enough, uh, is business still going up or is it because everyone's so worried about a recession and the Federal Reserve, there's people who are afraid to order and people who are holding back? We, we're hearing mixed feedback from customers. Uh, we have roughly our business, two-thirds of our customers are industrial customers. And when you think about the industrial economy, you still had a lot of customers who have had pent-up demand from their customers, and they couldn't get enough supply in their supply chain. Right. And that, that, as that eases up, we're seeing stronger demand from these customers. Other customers are not seeing that. They're seeing lesser demand or softer demand than what they saw last year. But generally, we're seeing slightly softer demand than what, what we saw last year. Uh, but it's, uh, and we, we, we have a lot of company-specific initiatives to go gain new customers and onboard new volume to our network as well. Excellent. Well, Brad, you know I've been with you. I'll be with Mario. You've been a remarkable creator of value. I hope you're not a stranger being executive chairman from the day you came on, I believe. And by the way, when they did that ridiculous raid against you, I hope that you and I know together we stopped that decline because that was just cowardice on the part of a short seller who wanted to tra- take the stock lower. We got the last laugh. And we got the last laugh, as you promised me that we would. Okay, that's Brad Jacobs, CEO of XPO Logistics, and Mario Hart, who's the incoming CEO of XPO Logistics. Moneymaker, okay? Plain and simple. Man, money's back in. Coming up, time to get real about real estate? Kramer puts the pro in property. Next. Everybody knows retail's having a tough time right now. Hey, look at that Walmart. They're getting crushed. But the collateral damage from retail has taken down all sorts of related stocks that are doing terrifically. I want you to consider the case of an old favorite since we started the show. It's called Federal Realty Investment Trust. It's a very well-run real estate investment trust that specializes in what we call those mixed-use properties in wealthy suburbs, mostly. Because of its retail exposure, the stocks come down to 100, uh, 140 in January to 105 today, which I could not believe when I saw it. But as far as I can see, business is better than I've seen in a long time. 
This morning, Federal really reported an excellent quarter with better than expected funds from operations. That's the key metric. The real estate, it's the real estate investment trust equivalent of earnings. And management also raised their full year outlook. Plus, at these levels, the stock now yields north of 4.1%. They're paying you to wait until Wall Street comes around. But don't take it from me. Let's check in with the implacable Don Wood, the CEO of Federal Realty, who just rang the closing bell here at the New York Stock Exchange. Mr. Wood, and congratulations on ringing the bell. Thank you, Jim. And it's great to be back on the show, man. Good to see you. Okay, now, how is how has an investor done every time the yields gotten to four one on Federal Realty? Well, hey, look, man, there is no doubt that, first of all, the first thing that came out of COVID, that's a great thing that came out of COVID, was the realization by consumers that, you know what, we're social creatures. We like to be out there. We like to eat out. We like to, to, to shop and, and, and do that kind of stuff. And the bottom line now, when you sit and you say, well, OK, but what's the economy going to be like over the next couple of years, which nobody knows about? You know what the key is? The consumers have to have money to be able to consume. Right. So I want to I want to I want to throw something by. You, sure, okay? sure. Imagine this within three miles of federal realty shopping centers. OK, on average, we have one hundred and seventy five thousand people, sixty eight thousand households with average income of one hundred and fifty thousand dollars. You know what that means? Over ten billion dollars of spending money, earnings right. within three miles. There's nobody else that could say that. So when you say, what's it going to be like? I don't know what it's going to be like. But I know that to have a dividend that's been raised for 55 right. years, you better have good stuff. We got the best stuff out there. Well, I couldn't wait to see you because I keep thinking that whether we go back to work or we uh, work <laughs> from home, where I would like is an apartment to work from home where I'm surrounded by all the amenities I want. Does anyone else give me that besides federal realty? I don't think so. Thanks for, for that, that question. You know, at our mixed use properties, which are you know, billion dollar investments, which we have in, in right. Santana Row in San Jose and Assembly Row in Somerville, Massachusetts, at Pike and Rose in Montgomery County, Maryland. At all of those places, we have a, a pretty darn significant residential component. Right. You know what happens there? There's a premium rent at those places right. because people want to be where they can go downstairs for for a, a wide selection of, uh, of food and services, et cetera, where they can work, et cetera. So to me, coming out of COVID, that that ability to be able to improve your life and socialize is right down the middle of the plate for our properties, which are always in not downtowns. They're in those first ring suburbs first ring. of first the major ring. metropolitan areas. Uh, 98 percent occupancy in the rental yeah. uh, for yeah. the uh, for retail. Just a gigantic boost in one year. I thought I thought retail was in trouble. How were you able to boost so much? Well, look, the the the, the it, we're not 98 percent on the retail or 98 percent on the resi. No, you're 92. Uh, not, you're not up to 94 on some of the we are. The we are on our way. It's you know what? There's a funny thing. It's called supply and demand. Right. And demand for the properties that we have, for the product that we have and our track record, which really, really matters. And it's not just about our relationship with the consumers. It's our relationship with tenants, too. Right. We've got we've got that track record where effectively if they come to our places, they got a better chance of making money. That's the name of the game. That's what we do for a living. Right, well, you're now down on the floor. I get very energized. And I keep <laughs> thinking about that moment in 2008 when you, everyone thought you were going to cut the dividend and you got one in the conference call and you said, I'm raising the dividend. And the analysts wanted to kill you. They said, don't you understand how bad things are? Who are you, Don Wood? How'd that go? Jim, I believe that there's a, there's a deal between investors and, and the company. In a REIT. And I think a very important component of the total return is that dividend yield. Right. 
The first thing you should do when things get bad is not cut the dividend yield. You have an implicit agreement, I think, with those investors. You've got the right kind of properties. If you're confident in the future that'll get you through those peaks and va- those valleys, uh, in it, then why would you cut that as your as your first thing? And, I, and, and we don't do it. We didn't do it during COVID. Right. We haven't done it during anything since 1967. And that includes, by the way, 20 percent interest rates oh, along the way. No, so that's you. it's that's great you. real estate. And, and if you if, if you own the real estate and the, the, the cash flow goes down, well, the cash flow goes down. If you own the REIT, you get a buffer in the security between the real estate itself and the stock. Now, that's why that's, the dividend is so important. You have always been straight with me. I remember you telling me that unless you have uh, the ability to be able to buy outside, pick up outside during COVID, you weren't going to do well. Now i got to ask you a tough question. Yeah. What do we do with all the theft? Well, look, let's, let, let me back you up a little bit, because, because there's no question that it, the social issues in the country have a long way to go to get better. Right. right? But at the end of the day, what we're trying to do with our properties is I want them to be the living room of the community that they're in. Okay. So imagine this, right? I want somebody in that family to be able to come back and pick up curbside in the middle of the day. Right. I want the family to come back as a unit that evening and have dinner at one of our restaurants. I want the adult daughter to come to the, that shopping center the next morning to have a cup of coffee and have the, have the computer out in front of her. I want it to be used holistically. Okay. And if you got the right places with the right environment and the right placemaking, with, with people with money to spend, you can accomplish that. That, to me, supersedes so that any of the other So that circle will work in your property. It does work. Well, it just, I just worry about the other guys, frankly. I'm, I'm not as worried about them, Jim. Well, you make find that hard to believe. But no, 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 I don't blame you one bit because you have been a remarkable success story. I remember being out online, putting you in a book, in one of my books, saying you're a bank bull. And then everyone said he's going to cut its dividend. And you promised me you wouldn't. You said you'd raise it. And that's exactly what you did. Don Wood, CEO of Federal Realty Trust, FRT. Don, I love having you on Mad Money. Love being Thank here, you. brother. Thanks so much, man. Everybody's back here for the break. Coming up, Kramer wants to hear from you. Your calls on the thunderous lightning round. Next. It is time. Seven the lightning round. Can't touch Of course, we're on the stage. We're going to play the sale. And then the lightning round is over. Are you ready? Keep that. The lightning round. So I'm going to start with Ken in Oregon. Ken. Yes, sir. Ken. So here we are. Booyah, Jim. I've been watching you forever. It's fishing season in Oregon, and I'm watching with your show, Howie and Gabby, my dog. And we probably see you more than my my normal family. All right. Well, I like my dogs, too. But you know what? I I like my wife, kind of. All right. Go ahead. Go ahead. All right. So my stock is, my, my stock is, should I sell, wait? And pull back, or should I hold? The stock is P O W W. Okay, Otherwise, I'm going to give you the better one, and I know it doesn't have that gun exposure, but I need you in dicks. I really do. I'm telling you, I know it's a little bit of a far field in terms of uh, where you are versus what is, but Dix is my favorite in that group. Let's go to Ali in Texas. Ali. Booyah, Jim. Hope you're having a great Booyah. day. Booyah. I appreciate What's everything happening? you do for us, and always believing in our economy. And, and throw the Thank you. Thank you so much. Thank for you. you for us. 
Got to bring it. Your, uh, I always say you got to bring it. What's up? <laughs> I'm calling in uh, in uh, regards to ticker INMD, Inmost. Please give me your take. I don't get it. I don't get it. It's a good company, but the people hate the medical device companies. They hate them. They hate them. They hate them. I think they're overly hated. That's why I like J&J. Down to 172, down two bucks. Today. He's got a great medical device business. Hey, I say while we're at this, let's go to Jordan in California. Jordan! Booyah, Jimmy boy. This is Jordan Neal Clark out on the Central Coast of California. What's going on, man? And before we get into it, man, I just want to say thank you and to your team for all the sacrifices y'all make off the My camera. team makes me look good every single day. Just me, Regina Gilgan, who's dressed in this cool green outfit today. Look at this. This is what I'm talking about. I come to work every day with Regina from when the show started. She's the brains behind the show. All right, get back there now. Okay, what's up? Baby, love to hear it. Yeah, absolutely love the uncensored financial insight y'all provide. But let's keep her moving. Thank you. Now I've only got two things to say about QuantumScape. Now that's that's coming from the heart here. My child okay. tell me no, but my bodies tell me to buy, buy, buy. Jimmy Boy. No, straight, no, we can't. I, I look, Jack Deep Singh is a terrific guy I've had on the show. But anything that's connected to the EV market, if it ain't Tesla, then I don't want it. I am sticking with the with the uh, the, te- the Tesla that brought me in here. How about that? That's kind of politically correct. Let's go to Muhammad in Michigan. Muhammad. How you doing, Jim? Thank you for taking my I call. I could not be doing better because I'm in my new set. And I'm loving it. How about you? Great, great. Thank you for the education to us. I'm calling you regarding Coty, C-O-T-Y. I bought a couple thousand shares at $9.70. No, 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 no. When we're in that area, when we're in that area, you know that we go with Elf. I remember. I brought the stuff home for my wife. I told her it was Estee Lauder. She believed that it was Elf. 36 bucks. That's the stock to be. By the way, Estee Lauder is really great, too, but it's just that I'm kind of getting there with you. Cody versus Elf. All right, let's go to Devin in, in my home state of New Jersey. Devin! Booyah, Jim. Powerful. I've owned, I've owned this stock for two years now. What are your thoughts on Carlisle Group? Uh, well, I own it. I mean, there's so many videos. A lot of better dogs that are hunting. I mean, if I'm going to go that way, by the way, I'm going to go with the with the Blackstone. I think that it's a better run company. It's much more on the ball. I'm going with I'm going with BX. Hey, let's not be done. Let's keep this going. Let's go to Larry in Florida. Larry. Hey, Jimbo. I like to call it Flow York these days. I got to tell you, I love it down here. My question today is, is about a bank. This bank saw zero losses during the great crypto deleveraging. It's already got a stable coin coming out this year and an amazing send network. Tell me your thoughts on Silvergate Capital. Well, as you know, I actually would wish that Larry Fink had teamed up with Silvergate Capital rather than Coinbase, because I do like your thinking. A lot of good research out about Silvergate today. But remember, I am no longer a huge crypto guy. I was in it as long as I was right. And now that it's wrong, I'm not there. How's that for being prosaic and lazy thinking? And that, ladies and gentlemen, is the conclusion of the Lightning Round. The Lightning Round is sponsored by TD Ameritrade. Coming up, this market is no barrel of laughs. Is oil too slick to navigate? Nonsense. Stick with Kramer.
happened to all the oil bulls who told us crude was headed for $150 a barrel? Where did they go so wrong? Let me tell you, with oil now at 88, down from 130 just five months ago, I think the bulls missed the mark based on sentiment more than supply and demand. Before we get into this, you need to know that I remain very positive on the oil stocks, especially the independent oil producers that give you monster variable dividends, because it's still very hard to get good yield in this environment. And outfits like Pioneer or Devon have incredible payouts. As long as crude stays above $75 a barrel, and I am confident it will, these will be worthwhile investments. Just remember to reinvest the dividends if you can. If the last year has taught us anything, it's that the world is hooked on fossil fuels. And like it or not, and I don't know anyone who likes it, even the oil people, there's no way to kick the habit anytime soon. Nonetheless, as I told investing club members today in our monthly meeting, it doesn't matter how high the yield is. And in some cases, like Pioneer, it's as high as 16%. That's, by the way, the highest yielder in the S&P 500, based on the last payout. Because when the commodity goes down, there's nowhere to hide. Every time oil gets hit, you have to expect these stocks to get hit even harder. I like Pioneer and Devon long-term, but I recognize that the short-term pain may be unavoidable. How about the true believer bulls, though? The ones who told us that oil was the next in, in the next super cycle. By the way, super cycle, a word I hate, because it almost always means something's peaking. Super cycle talk, <laughs> damned fertilizer, coal, and fracking sand. First, the bulls need China's economy to come back online, and they lose fellow travelers every time we get weak data from China, including abysmal Baltic freight readings like last night. What's amazing here is that it doesn't matter how bad we think China's doing. Every time we're reminded of it through some new piece of simply consistent information, the sellers come out of the woodwork for oil again. You can't get a bottom in crude until the Chinese economy stabilizes, and who knows when that will really happen. Second, the bulls thought that Russians wouldn't be able to sell their oil to anybody other than the Chinese. They didn't count on India being a buyer, too. What's fascinating to me, though, and why I say this decline is more psychological than anything else, is that Russia is pumping far less crude than the bears seem to think. It doesn't matter, though. The mindset is there are plenty of buyers now for Russian oil, and they need the money to finance the insane war of aggression, so they will overpump and drive the price down. Third, while the U.S. producers have, for the most part, maintained their discipline, there's an endless belief that they will crack and start drilling like crazy. We just saw the big dividend players, uh, payers report, everyone up, and they swore up and down that they wouldn't take advantage of the high price of, of, uh, of oil anymore. They just would not drill more. But nobody seems to believe them, because historically, this industry has had very little production discipline. I talked to these guys, though. And I can tell you, they truly have no plans to expand drilling. And, and the lower oil goes, the less likely they are to boost production, not more. Finally, the oil market is not a well-oiled machine. So think about it like this. Remember at one point in 2020, crude traded down to negative $37? Now, I'd say that's becoming incredibly chart-driven. That's right. When the chart looks great, traders buy oil. And when the chart looks terrible, they sell it regardless of the fundamentals. And you know what? This is what I really think is driving things. I think your oil can actually go to 80 to 85 before the chart says it's okay again. This last point, Frank, is unfathomable to the rigorous investors who only care about the fundamentals, meaning how the oil industry is actually doing. They, they can't believe the crew could really roll over simply because its chart looks like a classic head and shoulders decline. That means you can't fight the tape until the right shoulder gets totally fleshed out. 
I know it's all technical mumbo jumbo. But as the commercials would say, it's mumbo jumbo you can believe in. I like to say there's always a bull market somewhere, and I promise to try to find it just for you right here on Mad Money. I'm Jim Cramer. See you next time. The news with Shepard Smith starts now. At Capella University, you'll get support from people who care about your success. From before you enroll to after you graduate, pursue your goals knowing help is available when you need it. Imagine your future differently at capella.edu.